But afterwards, after your testimony, I went and test because I, I just like to check in on the kids. Because to be honest, I, you're all most of you guys are adults, and adults are boring. So I just go and go check on the kids once in a while, you know, and see. By the way, we've got nine children in the nursery today, so that's just like crazy amazing. So I'm sort of talking with them, and so that's why I thought, it's not that I wasn't part, I just thought I can do one song, go check on, the, check on Kidsville and the nursery real quick, and then, ay, 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 so I'm sorry about that. So that's where I was. I've been in here the whole time, I promise, but I just wanted to go kind of do a pastoral visit on those, on those kids for a little bit. So guys, uh, now that I've totally killed the, uh, the heart of worship feel here, I'm sorry about that for dashing up at the last minute. My apologies. But... Uh, Fortunately, my sermon today is not something that's going to be, it's not necessarily a worship sermon so much. It's a 4th of July sermon, because this is 4th of July weekend, and um, again, we've got a lot of people out today because of that, but thank you to those that came in and visited today. We've got a lot of guests here today. Thanks for being a part of our church today. This is sort of a typical kind of day for us, though, though I guess it really shifts around a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, last week, thank you for allowing me to be gone. I watched the video. Hunter did a great job. The worship team was great. I heard it was a wonderful day. Um, everybody basically said we didn't miss you at all and actually that's the way I want to hear about it okay that that uh, that it was it was good but I actually went and uh, just was able to get uh, just a little bit of self-care time away and did a quick kind of guerrilla consultation with a friend's church uh, pastoring a little small church by the way if you if you ever think we're a small church his church had 21 that day including me so um, it was it was an interesting congregation we went up there to help a a friend who was uh, also does um, sorry pastoring stuff sorry Daniel I just realized my mic wasn't in the right spot and I just all right so anyway let's talk about politics for a little bit won't that sound like fun hadn't politics been just like crazy let me ask you how many of you are like me I cannot remember the last time I actually voted for somebody in an election I just voted against the person I liked the least all right I, I really can't in fact to this day, most people don't know who I voted for in the last two presidential elections because I wasn't proud of any of them. Now, you could have disagreed with me. You're free to free to disagree with me, okay? I'm saying, but I'm saying for me, I was like, I just don't want to, I don't know what to do here. I just, I, politics has been crazy. But our politics has just gotten so divisive in this country. And it doesn't need to be, especially among Christians. But to give you an idea of our, our div divisiveness, I just looked this up this week. President Biden's approval rating is 43%. <clears throat> and that's one of the highest it's been for him. But to give you an idea of the political divide, among Democrats, his approval rating is 82%. Among Republicans, it's 6%. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, it's gone down 2% for Democrats over the last year and up 2% by Republicans. So for Congress, their approval rating is 20%. And... Um, Again, I, there's some great Congress people there, but just sometimes I look at Congress and I'm watching these going like, is the circus in town? Is that what's got? It just confuses me sometimes. Now, again, this is not a thing about Republican or Democrat or anything. I'm not going to go there at all today, all right? Because that's not our point today. But um, just even this past week, just have you heard all the, the, the um, political vitriol, look up that word if you want to, it just means angry, angry discussion, about the Supreme Court's decision for, uh, with affirmative action and with the, um, and with the uh, school, uh, school loan stuff. You know, and I'm torn on that. Both of my kids have school loans. So as a father, I was kind of hoping it would go through. As a taxpayer, I was kind of hoping it wasn't. So I knew either way I was going to be happy and sad at the same time. Um, so, um, so I do understand that. But just to get an idea, it's just, 
it's just hard and we don't seem to love each other anymore we don't seem to care about each other anymore and so here's what we want to talk about today though what is the christian's response to the government what's the proper response for christians to the government now in the bible there are a few examples of civil disobedience and we'll get to the prayer this is my introduction okay to civil disobedience i'll give you a couple of, couple of examples of some civil disobedience i saw in the bible in exodus chapter one the hebrew midwives disobeyed pharaoh by not killing the uh, male babies we can be appreciate that even in joshua 2 rahab defies the government the laws of of uh, jericho and hides the spies in first kings 18 obadiah uh, hides a hundred prophets of of god in defiance of king ahab <clears throat> in daniel 3 you find daniel's friends uh i like to use their hebrew names hananiah mishael and azariah rather than shadrach meshach and abednego that most of us know by but they disobeyed and wound up in the fiery furnace uh always an interesting thing they well we won't get into that i don't have time to digress i'm gonna try to stay off of stay off of uh side side messages this time and in daniel 6 you got daniel disobeying the 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 injunction against prayer and being thrown in the lion's den now these are all old testament examples in the new testament i can only find two examples of civil disobedience they're both in the book of acts and we've looked at both of them in, in recent messages as we've been going through acts in acts 4 19 peter it says this peter and john answered them talking to the sanhedrin and said whether it's right in the sight of god to for for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's Acts chapter 4. Then over in the next chapter, Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are in front of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jewish government at that point, and it, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. Now, those are the only two examples of civil disobedience I can find in the New Testament. And both of those, interestingly enough, were when the church was disobeying the government because of this one rule, that they could not tell people about Jesus. That's the only example of civil disobedience I find in the Bible, in the New Testament, for, the, for Christians to do. If, if there's a law saying you can't do what God has told you to do, especially in the area of telling people about Jesus. Now, that gets us to the, to the passage I want to look at for to well actually another longer passage i actually want to this is one of the the seminal or or basic boy i'm losing my, my train of thought here basic passages because got a lot of passages here to get ready in the introduction i want to read for you uh from first uh, peter chapter 2 verses 13 to 17. here's what peter says submit to every human authority because of the lord whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as sent by him sent out by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those and to praise those who do what is good for it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good isn't that a boy if, if if following Jesus wasn't enough reason to do good if just that promise that if we did good we could silence ignorant people wouldn't that be foolish people? Wouldn't that be worth it right there to do good right there? Because there's a lot of foolish people that need to be silenced, I think. But not because we shout them down, but just because we're doing what is right. So he says, submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Fear God, uh, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. He goes on to say, household slaves, submit to your, to your masters with all reverence, 
not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But if you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. So that's an interesting passage right there. Basically, it says, so if you've done something wrong and you get punished for it, God's basic answer to that is, well, you deserved it, didn't you? But if you do what's right and suffer for it, God says, you know what? That honors me. It's sort of a weird, that's one of the, in fact, it's one of those things about Christianity that sets us apart from all other religions. It's, it's not great on our recruiting poster for us to say, hey, follow Jesus, and if you get treated for doing what is right, hey, that makes me happy. You think, ah, that's, that's weird, God. That doesn't sound like you're trying to get people to follow you. But it works out in God's economy. And I think Jesus summed it up best when he talked to the, again, he was talking to the Sanhedrin, and they tried to trap him, and he says this, Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, I know I've been real solemn that, but that's my introduction, getting ready. Now we're getting to our main passage for today. I promise I'll try to bring this in on time for us, guys, but this is our main passage we're going to look at today, and i only got three points for it. Uh, by the way, you should have gotten a handout. If you didn't get it, Reuben, do you have some spares if anybody didn't get a handout? It just some note things there, so there's a couple people that might need it. Reuben, thank you for doing that. So just raise your hand, Reuben will get you one. It, listen, it'll do two things. If you're like a little ADD, it'll give you something to, to help you pay attention. And if you don't, um, he had to go get them. So in just a moment, when he comes back, we'll have you raise your hands again. And if you're watching online, sorry for the delay with this. Paintbrush people, we'll try to get you some of those handouts uh, in the future too. I don't always do them, but we'll do them when we can, okay? So the text is written. Raise your hand if you, if you need one, and Reuben will get one for you right here. Thank you, Reuben, for doing that. It's not, um, I know that, that doesn't look very classy to do that right there, but I want to assure everybody have them. That's the great thing at our church. I think everybody, everybody would rather pause for a moment and let everybody grab that. Okay, here's our passage for today, and then we'll have prayer. It is, um, it's actually um, in uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. So here we go. It says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there's no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant, talking about government, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your taxes, pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those whom you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those who you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Let's pray. Father, right now, I feel like our country really needs your wisdom and your guidance. And Father, I know while you can speak to government leaders who have the Holy Spirit in their lives, 
for those who are not, you, you don't speak to them directly. And so sometimes it is through believers like us that you need to speak. So, Father, through your word today, show us the intersection of wisdom and faith and care and citizenship. And, Father, we will honor whatever you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so long, long introduction. Let's see if we can pick it up here a little bit. There's only three things I want to tell you out of this passage today, all right? And they're very, very simple. By the way, I'm speaking in generalities today. Things I'm going to say are not going to apply to every situation. There's always outliers with every kind of thing that they say. And you may not agree with everything I'm going to say today. That's okay. Uh, when Hunter preaches, he's been going through Romans. So we just finished up Romans 8. So in about two years, he'll get to Romans 13. Well, he only gets to preach about every six weeks. So, um, and so he can, change, he can say later, every, I'll be gone by then as the, as the interim. But uh, so maybe you get something a little bit different at that point. But that's okay. We don't have to agree about everything. But we're gonna, I think you'll agree with everything I'm going to say today. So the first thing I say to this passage is that governments exist by God's grace. It says that very clearly. This is the foundational principle of everything I'm going to say today. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says very clearly, there's no authority except from God. And every authority you can point to is there by God's design. Now, that applies not just to governments, but that applies to parents, employers, teachers, and even pastors. Now, that may sound a little bit self-serving, but I want you to think about that when your new pastor comes, that, that he's got a certain amount of authority that you're going to be given him. That doesn't mean he gets to do anything he wants to do, but it means that he gets a little bit of authority and needs some respect, and unless there's reasons not to expect it. So same thing with government here. You've got to think every leader you have, everybody in authority over you, has their authority, has been given to them by God. Now, there are a few arguments. Excuse me for a second. Just uh, changing from heat outside to inside. My apologies. Okay. Um, there, there are some arguments about why Paul said this. Because when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. We're pretty sure Romans was written from prison. And so there's some people saying that, well, Paul knew that the Roman soldiers, the Roman government, would look at what he was writing before, before they let it get out. And so Paul was writing this to appease the government, to say, you know, hey, I'm, see, I'm supporting you, so you should let this letter get to the churches because that's what I want. That's a possibility, but that's not typical Paul stuff. You read Paul's stuff, he's not usually there for appeasing people. He's usually there for telling it like it is. There are other people that say that, well, Paul wrote this as not so much to the church, but he was writing it to those Roman soldiers that might read his letter first. That he was saying to them, hey, you got me here in prison, and you're the authority, but I want to remind you, you don't have any authority except what God has given you. Well, that's possible too, but again, that does, that's not Paul's major mode of operation here. So, but whether that's what Paul did or why he did or didn't write, it doesn't change the truth of what he's saying. And it's interesting to think about this, that Paul was writing this to these Christians while imprisoned, while imprisoned falsely by the government. And who was the government at that time? It was Rome. And when Paul wrote this letter, does anybody know who the emperor was when Paul wrote the book of Romans? His name was Nero, that's right. Now we've heard a lot of things about Nero. Some of it may be true, maybe not, but there's a, a tradition that says that Nero had, a, had, a, had a, a particular attitude against Christians, that Nero would sometimes round up Christians, nail them to a cross, 
douse them in oil, and then set them on fire to light his garden at night. Now, there's some, there's some debate about whether that was really true, but Nero was, okay, Nero was nuts, all right? And we live in California, we can say, by our standards, Nero was still nuts, okay? So, so anyway, so, but Paul was saying, wow. And Paul, you say, well, well but Nero, the persecution that, that Nero did of the Christians, and it was a major persecution of Christians under Nero's reign, happened probably about two years after Paul wrote this. And people say, well, Paul didn't know how bad it was going to get. Yeah, I think Paul did. Paul had already run, run across the Jews being kicked out of Rome by the previous emperor, Claudius. In fact, you can learn about that in Acts chapter 18. Paul meets these people, Aquila and Priscilla, who were Jewish Christians, had been kicked out of Rome by the previous emperor. And at this point in the, in the Roman law, Jews and Christians were considered the same at that point. They were all part of under the Jewish rule. So if Jews got persecuted, the Christians got persecuted with them. But Jesus invalidated that idea that it's only good governments that are endorsed by God. Because if you remember back when Jesus was meeting with Pilate, and Pilate said to him, do you know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Pilate was saying, Jesus, you need to pay attention to me here because I could let you go right now or I could sentence you to death. And Jesus looks at Pilate. This is in John 19, verse 11. It says, Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus looked at the Roman governor who was going to sentence him to death wrongly even though it was part of God's plan, it was still, there was no legal reason for putting Jesus to death. And he said, you know what? You're only able to do this because God gave you this authority. God put you in the place where it is. You may not follow God, you may not believe in him, but God's using you where you are right now. And even though what you're doing is a mistake legally, you're still there because God has put you here. And with all the political polarization today, many of us are finding it difficult to accept our government. But that doesn't change the command. You look at verse 1 again. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authority. And verse 2 says, whoever resists authority will receive condemnation from God. So our response to this is obvious. If God has established our government, then we need to accept it and appreciate it. And don't totally reject governments given to us by a gracious God simply because there are parts of it with which, we're, with which we're unhappy. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. If there are parts of the government you're unhappy with, work to change it. Lobby to change laws. Vote people out of office if you don't want them there. I mean, it can happen. It's happened in California before. Does anybody remember the Rosebird Court? Remember that? Where, where Californians turned out their entire California Supreme Court because they didn't like a thing, voted them down and, and had them taken out of office. Now, Probably can't happen nowadays, but it has happened in the past in California. So I'm saying you can work to change things, but until God allows that change, we still have to look and say, this government has given us, given us to God, by God. And I'll even apply it this way. Um, back during when, when Trump was president, if you made the mistake of going on Twitter, which I did way too many times, you'd find a lot of people a lot of people that their profile was had something along the hashtag or the the name of it of not my president and that used to make me mad because i was kind of like going like you don't understand how elections work then how our constitution you may not like trump but he's still your president 
whether you like it or not, your attitude about it doesn't change at all. I thought, how silly those crazy liberals that are doing that. Of course, when the election happened and now Biden's president, guess what? I see a lot of different protests, pro, uh, profiles now with the hashtag, not my president, talking about Biden. And I think, those nutty conservatives. Okay, what is wrong with these guys? You don't understand how elections work. Say it as often as you want, but that still won't make it true. He's still your president. And so we still respect our president. We still, we still pray for our president. We still do a lot of things like that because he is our president, even if we disagree with him. You know, I'll take an example. You know what? I'm, I've not been crazy about Gavin Newsom. Now, I, 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 I'm, I, there's some things he's done that I like. Don't even, don't get me on. So I'm not like totally, but he just, he, I just listen to him and I go like, there's just something wrong there. Just something feels wrong. Now, if you like him, that's fine. Okay, because I said there's a lot of things I do like about it, but he's still my governor. I'm still going to respect what he says. Okay, all sorts of things like that. He's still my governor. When he said wear masks, I didn't like wearing masks, but I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, it's not, not a problem. All right, so I'm, you know, I'll obey the government. Why not? It's not killing me here, it's not doing anything at all. So here's just to summarize that point right there Christians just need to obey the government. Unless there's a compelling reason otherwise, Christians need to obey the government. Let's go promise that the second point is shorter. Second thing I see in this passage is governments exist for our good. So they exist by God's grace, but they exist for our good. And that's in verses uh, 3 and 4 here. It says, God's design for governments is to punish wrongdoers and protect and praise those who do what is right. Now, to be honest, Paul knew this because Paul benefited from the Roman government many times. Let me give you a few examples. In Acts chapter 21, Paul is beaten by a mob at the temple in Jerusalem, and the Roman soldiers come and rescue him away from that mob. In Acts 23, Paul starts a serious argument in the Jewish Sanhedrin that erupts in a fight, much like Congress today, all right? And then and they said they were afraid Paul was going to be torn apart, and Roman soldiers came and rescued him again. Later in that same chapter, when the Roman officials learned that there was, a, there was a plot to kill Paul, they moved into a different city and provided 470 soldiers to accompany him from one city to the next to protect him. So Paul understood that, that, there, that there are times that government's there for our good, to do the right things. The government did a lot of good things. For example, the Romans enforced the Roman peace. And back in Christmas time, we looked at the reason the gospel could travel around the known world at that time was because there was peace in the Roman Empire at that point, enforced by the Roman government. They could travel on Roman roads built by Roman soldiers to get from one place to another. That God used that government for the good of Christianity to make it possible for the gospel to spread around the world. So our first point was the, government, the people must obey the government. This one is people must respect the government because it's there for our good. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meddle for a little bit here, okay? All right? Here's the cool thing about being a pastor up here. I get to use examples that I've, rec- that I've, that I've, that I've resolved in my, in my heart, okay? There are other things that I haven't resolved. I'm not going to share those with you, all right? So but let's talk about one. This is one is really, really easy, and it's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to frustrate some of us, but it's not a difficult one. Let's just take speeding right now, all right? I honestly try to drive the speed limit. There are times that I don't and I and I think I'm wrong in doing that I believe the speed limit should be obeyed why because that's the law and as a Christian I'm, I'm called to be a good citizen and obey the law 
And uh, it's, it's hard sometimes when somebody's riding your bumper, you know, or that when you're driving on Shaw and the speed limit's 40, and, you know, you're getting run over at 40. And, and, and so I have t- at times hit 50 on Shaw, and that's not right. And when I realize I've done that, I slow back down. But, um, but, I, but I struggle with it sometimes. And I'll admit here, when I, when I drove around the state serving churches, there were times that I might leave my house late. And if I didn't speed, I was going to be late to a church. And I had to decide, okay, do I disrespect the government by speeding or do I disrespect this church by being late? And I had to make a decision. And either way, there was a wrong side to it. And I had to decide what I needed to do there. But I just say, I'm believing that we're there to, um, to follow the laws. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is there. I figure somebody smarter than me has done the study on this and realized that's a good speed to travel. And so I had to wind up doing it. But here's the beauty of it. This passage says, do you want to have no fear of authority? Okay, have you ever been driving down the freeway and all of a sudden you see brake lights? And there's no other reason for it until you get past the overpass and you see a CHP cruiser sitting there. And that's what everybody's slamming on the brakes for. When I'm driving the speed limit, I don't get this, you know, of, of that kind of thing. Or as Laurie said earlier, or looking in my rearview mirror going, okay, is he following me now or whatever? I don't have a fear of authority when I'm driving the speed limit. Because I know that guy's not stopping me for any reason. Why? Because I did what was right. Now, this sermon's not about the speed limit, obeying this. Well, it is sort of about it. It's about obeying the laws. But I'm just saying, you guys think it's there for our good. If there wasn't a speed limit, I mean, have we not seen, I think it was a comedian once said that there's two kind of drivers, that they're, they're like the maniacs, who drive, those are the people driving faster than you, and then idiots, those are the ones driving slower than you. All right? So anybody's not driving your speed limit. But think about it. If we didn't have speed limits, how safe would our highways be? And so I just think the government's there for our good. That's part of it. That's what it's all about. So I'm just saying there's ways to do it. And if I did choose to speed because I wanted, didn't want to be late to that church, if I got stopped for a ticket, I should not expect that God's going to protect me from a ticket just because I'm late. In fact, God might even cause me, God might even say to some Christian CHP officer there that's doing, hey, look up, look at that guy right there, all right? Because he needs to learn a lesson about obeying the rules. God might even orchestrate it there just to teach me a lesson. And so could I get a ticket and say, well, thank you, Jesus. You taught me a lesson, all right? All right. How many of you, how many would say thank you, Jesus, when you get a ticket? All right. I do, not know, I do not want to know what you would actually say, okay? So just trust me on that, all right? And that's coming, you know, COVID was like the same way, you know, wearing those masks. I didn't like it. I'm a little claustrophobic. And I, I would get... I remember riding in an Uber one time to catch a flight and I had to wear a mask and I had to ask the guy for a moment, can I just roll down my window and just take my mask off for just a second because I was just getting so claustrophobic. But you know what? I figured it was a small price to pay to be obedient to what God said and to be respectful not only to my government but to other people that might be more fearful. So now, am I telling you you should get a vaccine? No, that's individual conscience. You're not breaking a law by not doing that and that kind of stuff. And there are other situations that this where this wouldn't fit. I get that. But the general principle is this is compelling reason otherwise. Obey the government and respect the government. All right. And then let's get to the part that this is to help our governments become more effective. We do our part because the third point is governments exist through our generosity. So they exist by God's grace. They exist for our good. 
They exist through our generosity. Christians, like all citizens, have responsibility to support the government. That's our, the third way of summarizing. We obey it, we respect it, we support it. And I think there's three ways we do it as we get ready to wrap up here. First, boy, you're going to hate this one. But first, we support our government by paying taxes. Okay? Paying taxes. How many of you like April 15th? Anybody? Okay? Well, let me, well you're an accountant, so you, of course you hate April 15th. That counting people, well, actually a lot of accounting people love it because that's when they make most of their money. But anyway, um, you know what? Let me challenge you with this. Next time you wind up paying your taxes, can you make it an act of worship? Can you do that? That's my challenge for you. Because what's the one requirement for you to have to pay taxes? One thing has to happen for you to owe taxes. you got to earn money. All right? So the more taxes you paid, just the more that God blessed you this past year. It's exactly what that means. And I know that when I pay my taxes, I'm helping. I may wind up getting, who knows, there might eventually be one or two potholes on Shaw that get filled because of my taxes. Maybe, maybe not. But every once in a while it happens by some miraculous situation, you know. Maybe I'm helping a kid at Fresno High get educated. Or a kid over here at, at Teague Elementary get a hot lunch. You normally wouldn't, wouldn't get it otherwise. You know what? I'm helping support that when I do that. And by the way, for you guys that, 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 pay your, that have to deal with your taxes once a year, I get to do it every month because as a, as a minister, the church doesn't take out taxes on me. The church doesn't pay Social Security on me. I have to pay self-employment tax. So when you get your paycheck, you get 7.5% seven, uh, taken out for your Social Security. Church doesn't do that on me, so every month I have to pay 15.3% of my paycheck into self-employment tax. So every month I get the opportunity of saying, God, thank you. This is my act of worship by paying my taxes, both my Social Security and my, uh, my self-employment tax and my income tax. So I, I get to put that away every month just as a reminder as I, as I send that in to, to, to the irs.gov to remind me that God has blessed me and that he's given me a government that I need to support. So that's just a reminder for, for that. So, so paying taxes I think is really important. I'm not saying you have to be happy with everything the government does with our taxes. I am seldom happy with that, but I still pay it anyway because that's not my, the Bible doesn't say, you know, force your government to do this or that your government says pay taxes to whom taxes do the second thing we second thing we support our government through patriotism now i normally, normally wouldn't use this word because that has a lot of other meanings for people it sounds like you're i'm not talking about just flag waving and that kind of stuff okay i'm not one of those guys that puts flags out on my lawn every fourth of july you can that's fine to me it's just more work to do i gotta put them down and put them up you do it Ruben, you put a flag out good for you man if i weren't lazy so lazy i would do that myself but um but it's, it's okay. But I'm not talking about just doing that. That's what I'm talking about supporting the government. I'm talking about lip service. I'm talking about that kind of, those, those kind of things are great. But I'm talking about honor and obedience. Let's go back to verse 7. It says, give to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes do. Custom to whom custom. Custom is just another word for taxes. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So, yeah, you know what? Even when I pay gas tax, when I go to fill up my gas tank and I think, 
That's, a do, that's $4.20 a gallon. But if it weren't for taxes, that would be like $3.20 a gallon. Because, it, you know, they, they, they just list those taxes up there for you. And I'm like, ah, man. You know, but that's a custom. A, a, a custom, a toll that we pay for that. And so we have to pay that. So here's what I'm saying. Unless you have proof that the government is asking you to do something to God's commands, then we give all levels of government what is due. Taxes, fees, respect, and honor because they are who God has given to us to provide for us. And most importantly, the third way we support our government is by prayer, by praying, praying for the government. Um, if you get our Thursday newsletter that goes out by email, if you don't, you can fill out the little card and it'll tell you, you know, we'll, we'll get you put on that. We won't spam you. It's one email a week with just what's going on at the church and a devotional thought for me. And this week, I did 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and it says this. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And basically, Paul is saying to his young uh, student, Timothy, everybody, your kings, your governors, everybody, Pray for them and pray for them regularly. And I do that, actually. Um, there's some of you that do it better than I do. I set aside every week, once a week, I pray for each of our government leaders by name. And so I want to, we're going to have a close with an opportunity to do that in a moment. Maybe you want to do it once a month. Maybe you want to do it every other day or however God leads you to do it. But be praying for those guys specifically. Um, give you a quick example. I was hearing a report. I actually, I try, to, I try to be balanced in my new stuff, so I'll listen to Fox News sometimes, and I will listen to NPR sometimes, okay? Because I want to hear what everybody's saying about it. And on an NPR, that would be, usually is identified as being more supportive of Democratic side, they were talking about Kamala Harris and what her chances might be of, of um, running for president or something. And they, they were saying that they were, it was not looking very good for her. I want to tell you about this. Not been impressed with her as, as vice president so far, but to be honest, you're never impressed with vice presidents. I mean, does anybody look back and go like, that was my favorite vice president? They're just, they're, they're, you know, vice presidents is sort of like a, sort of like a zit, you know? It's just there, you, you, can, you can get rid of it, but that's just, I'm sorry, that was not respectful. I am so sorry. I did not, I can't believe you guys laughed at that too. That's, I did not mean that like it sounded there at that point. That was a bad illustration. I started to say wart, and I thought that wasn't good, and it came out. That I can't think of a good example. It's, um, um, I, so I can't think of a, of a good, clean example of that, but it's like, uh, it's just there, okay? But you know what? I have a daughter, and I'm thinking, Kamala Harris? Oh, my God, what I pray for her every week is, God, just make her successful. Make her the kind of the vice president that at least, that, that, that young women, that daughters will look at that and go like, you know what? A woman can be successful, can help, can, can be helped. Let her be helpful to our country. Let her do things that are good. Let her leave some kind of legacy that would be honoring you and, and helping our country so that one day you might say, you know what? She showed that, I, that, that, that a woman could be vice president. Maybe I'll do that one day. Would you like to be vice president? Okay, it'd be a horrible, horrible job. But you know what? If you do become vice president, I will pray for you every day, Okay. I sure will, all right? So, that's the idea there, is that, look, 
I don't, I don't, I don't pray that they'll, you know, that every agenda will happen or whatever. I just pray that God will use them and they'll be successful. So here's what I want you to do in relation to this. I've got four things I want you to think about. First, to make sure you are thankful for our government. Be thankful to God. Be thankful to God and be thankful to our government. Be sure to thank them at, at certain points because it's, it's not an easy job. Okay, So be thankful for our government. Second, acknowledge the good and the bad in our government leaders. Okay, And usually that means that sometimes we have to work hard to acknowledge the bad in the, in the leaders we don't agree with. I mean, to acknowledge the good in the leaders we don't agree with and to acknowledge the bad in the leaders that we do agree with. Okay? But be willing to say that. I, I, I just I can't get it, the people that will support. It could, be, it could be said, or Trump or Biden, depending on which side of the aisle are, that everything they did was right or everything they did was wrong. And nobody has bats, bats zero or a thousand. They're all batting somewhere in the, you know, in the, in the, 400 to 600 range with their decisions and stuff. So acknowledge the good in the leaders you disagree with. Acknowledge the bad in the leaders you do agree with. Okay? Third, obey the authorities unless directly commanded otherwise by the Bible. And that's a tough one sometimes to know what it is. But look, look to the New Testament example of Jesus and obey them unless it directly violates an ordinance of God. You know, when we wound up having to close down some churches because of, co- because of COVID, that was a big deal for a lot of churches. And a lot of churches split over that. I'm just telling you for me. All right, this is just for me, okay? For me, the government was not telling us we could not share about Jesus. So I didn't like shutting down, but we did. We found other ways to get the message out. If the government had said, you got to shut down and you can't live stream, I'd had a problem with that because they were limiting our ways to spoke to, 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 to deal with Jesus. But you know what? Before COVID and churches shutting down, only a handful of churches really had decent live stream services. Now, tens of thousands of churches have the gospel message out on social media and out on YouTube over the internet because the government asked us to shut down during COVID. Now, again, I'm not saying a church should or have shouldn't have. There was, I know there was disagreement on both sides. I'm just saying for me, I looked at that and said, the churches that obeyed now have a p- bigger platform than they did before. Whether that's good or bad, I don't, I don't know. We could argue about that. But I'm just saying for me, okay? So just something to think about. So obey the authorities unless directly commanded otherwise. And fourth, pray for your government leaders regularly. And here's where we want to end. We're, we're going to end pretty much on time here. So I want to do this. If you've got the handout, I have listed all the people I could think of that were government leaders for where we are right now in this area, okay? So we're going to put them up on the screen right there. It's also in your handout, too. And what I'm just going to do is I'm going to ask us, we don't normally do this, but I want us to look at that. Uh, The blue is kind of hard to see there, but obviously Mayor Jerry Dyer, Dyer, our city manager. Uh, The church is in City Council District 1, so that's Annalisa Perea. Um, we're in the county district one, which is Steve Brandow. And then there you see our state assembly person, our state senator, our governor, our lieutenant governor. Some, I bet some of you didn't even know her name. All right. But that's our lieutenant governor by name, who our congressperson is, our state senators, since they cover the whole state. 
all the Supreme Court justices, our president and our vice president right there. So here's what I'm going to ask. We're just going to take about a, only about a minute and a half because most of us aren't used to being silent, there being silence that long. We're going to have a minute and a half. I want you to pick out a few names right there. And just be, right now, pray. Pray God's blessing on them. Pray for God's wisdom as they make decisions. Pray that if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, they'll come to the point of, of giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus. Pray for their protection, too. Okay, so we're just going to let it be silent for a little bit. There's going to be no music in the background, anything like that. And then I will lead us in a closing prayer after that. But just a minute and a half, this is our down payment on praying for our government officials, okay? So let's pray. Father, as I look at the names on this list, there's only one of them I've ever, I've ever met in person. I don't know who they are. I don't know much about their lives. Yet, Father, I know that you do. Because, Father, I know just as you promised in your word, you told us in a word that you created each one of us as a unique, handcrafted, designer human being. You created each one of them they are yours by right of creation. They belong to you. And just as you promised us,